0: chapter 6 today, as we leave our tradition of studying the book of 1 Samuel, today, if you did not know the date, is March 4th. It is the only date with a commandment, March 4th. So today, we start our series entitled March 4th. Ah, clever, huh? You just realized it, didn't you? We are beginning our march to Easter, the greatest event that has ever taken place on this planet. And we are starting this series with hard truths. We have a flyer on the back if you'd like to invite somebody. Uh, next week we're going to talk about disarming forgiveness. And so I'd encourage you to invite somebody, grab it, bring somebody as we begin our march towards Easter. But today, I'd like to do something a little different as we start this, and uh, this is a little unorthodox, but bear with me as we begin our message today on Marching Forth with Hard Truths. This gentleman, I want to illustrate something today about the church, so indulge me. If you were born before 1975, you probably know who this is. This is Chevy Chase. He was a big actor in the 70s and in the 80s. He was a big deal then. But something happened in the news last month that made me smile. Because last month in New York he was cut off by a group of 22-year-olds in a car. He became just outraged and furious at them that he began following them. He followed them over a bridge and kept going. In fact, he pulled them over and cut them off and came over to their car and pulled open the door, and he was going to punch one of them. In fact, one of the kids kicked him. Susan, he must have taken karate. One of the kids kicked him in the shoulder, and he screamed this at these 22-year-olds, okay? This once very famous person, he screamed this, Do you know who I am? I am going to ruin your lives. Now, first of all, if you have a life that Chevy Chase can ruin, you need to reevaluate your life. <laughs> but do you know who I am? And the best part of the article, I love this because listen, I, I literally want to show you this. This is what this literally came out of the article. You have it, right? They said this. If you can read this, this is the 22-year-old. He said this. I didn't know who he was. I was just trying to defend myself. He was physically trying to harm me. He said adding that the cop told him that his attacker was none other than Chucky Chase of Saturday Night Live and Caddyshack fame. This is what the 22-year-old said. I looked him up on Google, and I still don't know who he was. And he added this. He didn't look like he used to when he was in those movies. (laughs) And this is why I looked, to their defense, this is what he used to look like, and that's what he looked like when he called him over. Because the 22-year-old was like, I don't know who you are, dude. I've never heard of you. And when I look up, that's not what you used to look like. Now, how does any of this relate to the church? The church used to be a big deal. It used to be something that mattered. It used to be something that spoke with authority. It used to be something that people knew was important and knew it, because that's the church. Do you know what's happened? This was disgusting. Down south in South Carolina, in a few churches when Billy Graham died. Somebody went through and spray-painted derogatory curse words and hateful things on the side of the church. Mm -hmm. When Billy Graham died.
1: About Billy Graham.
0: Can you imagine that happening 20 years ago? 30 years ago? 40 years ago? The church used to be important. And here is what the average... 20, no, go back, go back. You went too fast for me. The average 22-year-old says this about the church. I don't know who you are. And you know why? You don't look like you used to when you married. I have no idea who you are. And when I look you up on Google about what the church used to look like, that's not what you used to Here's our marching orders, our March 4th truth is this today. The church must speak truth to hard issues. The church must speak truth to hard issues. The reason the church has become irrelevant is because we have nothing to say. We have become Dr. Phil with music. We have become psychology. We have become self-help seminars. We have become Tony Robbins with less good speakers some irony of what I just had. That's what we become, and we have hidden from the difficult subjects that the culture needs to hear about. The church has become irrelevant because on the topic of hard issues, the church has decided to become more pc And ignore these difficult things. Listen, there are churches today all across America who will not allow, who will not say what I'm going to preach to you today, what I'm going to talk to you today. And what they are doing, they are lying by omission to you. Because in the desire to be liked, in the desire to get a crowd, in the desire to fit into the culture, they have omitted the reason the church exists. And the church sometimes has to talk about hard issues. Listen, do you know why slavery ended? Slavery ended because of a group of people like this. A group of northern believers spoke truth to an unpopular issue. The church has repeatedly done things. Why do we have child labor laws? Do you know prohibition? And people thought it didn't work or anything. But do you know why it started? Because a group of people like this saw the dangers of alcohol, saw women being misused and abused by drunken husbands and drunken men, and saw children being abused and saw the dangers of alcohol and said, we must do something about this, and pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed. And today, instead of pushing and pushing and talking about something that might offend somebody, We step back, and that is why the average 20, listen, the average 22 year old doesn't know who we are. Not because we're not talking about heart issues, it's because we look exactly like the culture. Today, we have to speak truth. Now, listen, as I say this, not our opinions. Amen? Not our opinions. And we also need to learn this too. We also need to learn to speak truth with a broken heart. Because there are people dying without Jesus today. And they need the hope that only Jesus can bring. There are people living in lifestyles of destruction. And the last thing they need, you know what, every person who's in these lifestyles, they know what that's about. They know... The last thing they need is for somebody to beat them up and make them feel bad. What they need is for somebody to point them to the answer with somebody to love them and show them, listen, God's prepared a completely different way for you. Amen? Look, everybody in here needs to probably lose
1: weight.
0: Everybody in here probably needs to get out of debt to some certain extent. You don't need me to remind you time and time again and make you feel bad that you've got a couple extra pounds that you've got some debt you should have taken care of, what you need me to do is to encourage you to do the right thing. We need to point to this generation that's being raised without fathers, this generation that's being raised in the definition of dysfunctionality, that there is a better way and that they are special to God. Amen? Amen. I see these young ladies, and I see, I, I see these young ladies. That's, that's what my family is. Part of my family that's about to expand, and I don't understand why, Billy, but we're about to double our children. The reason is because so many people have bought into the pagan lifestyle. And we've got so many people thinking that all nothing else matters but what they do and what's good for them. And we have destruction after destruction. And so many of these young girls who are selling their bodies either for money or for love, and so many of these young men who have never had a father, who are in drugs, who are doing, they need to be told there's a better way. And God loves them and they are valuable to Jesus. Because what we're doing now isn't working. Every day I get up to a testimony of the fact that our culture is failing. So in March, we're going to talk about the greatest event at the end of March in human history. The resurrection of Jesus Christ. (coughs) Let's stay true true to some truths. In John chapter 6, it is an amazing chapter. We're going to look at two amazing chapters today. Jesus is foreshadowing his crucifixion. So what does he use to foreshadow it? Well, he use what some of us refer to as communion, or some of us refer to as the Lord's Supper. We'll be doing that March 25th at 6 o'clock. Look at John 6, verse 53. Then said Jesus unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man, and drink the blood, ye have no life in you. Whosoever eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is meat, and indeed my blood is drink indeed." He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me, and I in him. Now, sidestep this, side note. This is not a call for cannibalism. This is also not a reference that the wafer and the drink turn into something supernatural. That is never in the Bible. This is a picture of the cross of Jesus Christ. This is a picture of the resurrection. This is a picture of Easter Sunday. The blood, the drink he's saying, his blood will be spilled for us. The wafer, the body is going to represent his body. His body will be broken for us. He will die on a cruel Roman cross. And before we begin this series, before we do anything, do you know Christ as your personal Savior? Not, not as a historical figure. Not that I believe you. Just Listen, I never met George Washington, but I believe he exists. There's a monument to him in Washington. There's a whole bunch of crazy people in a state that live and call him. I went to church in a township named after him, Washington Township. They're a little crazy, too. But uh, there's a whole group. I believe that George Washington exists. But there's got to be more than just believing that Jesus is a historical figure. Have you accepted what he did on the cross for you today? That video we began our service on, there is nothing more important today than you knowing Christ as your personal Savior. That is what he is referencing here in John 6. I'm going to break my body. I'm going to spill my blood for you. But this idea of the Messiah, the Messiah coming and dying, this was crazy to the Jews. And so this, us what they say here in verse sixty, Many, therefore, of his disciples, when they heard this, said, this is a hard saying. Who can hear it? That word, that phrase, hard saying, I love this. It's scleros logos. I practice that. <laughs> scleros logos. I listen to Mr. Scoresby say that repeatedly so I can get that. That's the, in the original language. Logos means word if you've been in church long But it means this. Maybe you have a different translation that says this. It means a hard, harsh, rough, or stern. Now, That, if I was to give descriptions of sometimes how my father talked to me, those are words that a father uses. Those are descriptions. Because sometimes a father has to be harsh or stern and difficult. And one of the reasons why this culture pushes away from difficult, hard things to hear. Mark, can I use you an example? Absolutely. I'm going to do it anyways. Mark and I were talking and everything, and Mark works in our student ministry, and he's been helping out down there. And they played a game on Wednesday night a couple of weeks ago about different things. And, and Mark said that one of the things he never did, and none of the kids believed you, right, Mark? No. He said he never talked back to his dad. Right? And the kids were like, oh. And I, was talk- I said, I'm the same way. I never talked back to my dad. But see, when you don't have that father figure constantly in your life, right? You, you know why I was polite to the police officer that pulls me over? Because my father was polite. You see, I'm very, I talk a lot about authority, don't I? I'm very good at submitting to authority. I'm actually, I'm awesome and I'm proud of it. No, but <laughs> It's actually easy for me to submit to authority because I had a father sometimes who spoke hard, harsh, rough, stern words to me. Sometimes he spoke truth to me. There's a couple times he pulled me aside and said, you're acting like an idiot. You're behaving poorly. When I was a child, he did not speak as much as he corrected me. Children are like canoes. They're best steered with a paddle in the rear.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but when I come to Sternos Logos truths, the reason
0: so many people in this generation will push back is because they didn't have that father in their life. So for me, hard truths, I know that hard truths come from somebody that loves me. I know that hard truths help me. They push back. In fact, I was talking with Sandra. I was just dwelling on this for the last few weeks, this term, Skellige's Truth. I said, you know, we need to do this in our, in our house. And so we're going to open up our house to, like, three different groups, our senior citizens, uh, our our adults, and then our young couples and kids and teenagers. And we're going to talk about hard truths. And just have Saturdays, people come over and do a little Bible study and talk about Hard truths that every Christian needs to know and to talk about. Because Stelios logos, hard truths, they hear this. And what do they do? Well, just like many of this generation, they hear a hard truth. Look at verse 64. Here's the reaction. But there are some of you that believe now. For Jesus knew from the beginning, who would that believe now, and who should betray him? Some will reject this hard truth. But there's always a group that take hard truths and they run with them. Verse 68. Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of everlasting life. Where else are we going to get this, God? And we believe that you that we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the Living God. Instead of hiding the truth from people, let's tell them the truth. Let's let them decide because some will some are, some are going to reject Oakland Woods because they don't want to hear the Skelios Logos. But there's a group. There's a group of young people. There's a group of college kids. There's a group of young married. There's a group of adults. There's a group of senior citizens who are craving to hear the truth. Let's not lie by omission from them. Amen? Amen. Now, sometimes the truth hurts. Amen. A young couple invited their pastor for Sunday dinner. When they were in the kitchen preparing the meal, the minister asked the son, What are we having? Goat, the little boy replied. Goat, replied the pastor. Are you sure we're having goat? Yes, said the young boy. I heard mom and dad say this. Well, we might as well have the old goat for dinner today as good as any other day. (laughs) Some truths are hard to hear. There's no better example of truth, speaking truth to a pagan culture culture in 1 Corinthians 6. Turn over to 1 Corinthians 6. There's no better example of truth to a pagan culture. Corinth is a materialistic, materialistic and rebellious city. Corinth is the most American city in the Bible. It is exactly like Corinth is pagan. And by the way, let me remind you, pagan doesn't mean atheist, that's not what pagan means. Pagan doesn't mean there's no God. Pagan means I'm God. There's no book better for our culture than 1 Corinthians. and chapter 6, I would encourage you to read chapter 6. I can tell you this. I know for an exact fact that 1 Corinthians 6 is banned in many churches today. Go through and read it. And so what I would like to do, we're going to just read verses 13 through 20. I'd like to do something with your permission. I'm going to do it anyways. I want to read 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 6, 13 20. I'm going to read it entirely. And I'm going to read it in the English standard. Okay? Then I'm going to come back to the authorized version that I always use. But just in the English standard, listen to this. Food is meant for the stomach. Man, we have a food problem in America. Not enough, but too much. And the stomach for food. And God will destroy both one and the other. The body is not meant for sexual immorality. But for the Lord. And the Lord for the body. God raised the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take a member of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never! Or do, we, do you not know that we, he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For it is as written, the two will become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body. But the sexual immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you? Whom you have from God. You are not your own. For you have been bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. So many truths there. So many issues. So many things. If I could just take these verses here, and you're saying, Pastor, I'm not sure about the Jesus stuff. I don't know about God. I'm not, I, you know, I'm not, I think I might be an atheist. Okay. Listen, if you would just take 1 Corinthians 6 and apply it to your life, your life would be completely better. So many problems in the world out of that passage right there. So many divorces. So many. Abor- I would end. Probably 99% of abortions. I would end sexually transmitted diseases. I would end so much pain in people's life. If people just saw this, any little girl, teenager, young person, who's cutting themselves, who thinks nobody cares about them. If they would just read this passage and see that their body is important to God. They've been bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. They matter to somebody every person who's thinking about taking their own life, if they would just read this passage and see that their life matters and they are important to God. Instead of pulling back, because we may step on someone's toes, and by the way, I've stepped on a lot of toes by preaching on this passage before. And if I step on yours today, it's not my intention to hurt you, it's my intention to help you today. But if every person would just take this truth, even if they choose not to accept Jesus, if they choose not to accept the rest of the Bible, the rest of 1 Corinthians 6, America will be great again. Hard truths out of this passage. Let me just give this to you. Two of them. Three of them today. Number one, what you do with your body matters. What you do with your body matters. Today, as we go through this, I'm going to talk about Body, soul, spirit. Let me remind you, you are a triune being. You have a body, you have a soul. That's who you are. That's what's going to live in eternity. Jesus said you're going to live in eternity. His words, it's not mine. Either in heaven or in hell. And you have a spirit. Your spirit is what connects you to God. A pagan culture and the body, just to remind you. In a pagan culture, there are three things about the pagan culture and the body women are objects. Ladies, are we getting, is it safer for ladies today than it was 50 years ago? I mean, are we lifting ladies up? Are they, we used to hold doors for ladies? We don't do that anymore. Women are objects. There's a dependence on intoxicants. Everybody's got to get high. I'm always amazed by people that live the pagan lifestyle, that get involved in these sort of perverted lifestyles or anything else. They always have to be drunk. Watch TV shows, watch uh, sitcoms. The big thing now is like, oh, you notice every sitcom, the mom's always drinking wine. She's always got an something. Can I just say this to you if you're here and you like to drink alcohol or you're having trouble getting, you like to get high, you're not quite an addict or anything. Instead of numbing yourself to your life, why don't you take that time and resource and work on your life and make your life better? Just a thought. Instead of having to have a beer to make yourself the life of a party, why don't you read a book and have something to say that's interesting to people?
1: Yeah. <laughs> Why not?
0: Most people who do this, the reason they're trying to numb themselves from something, they're trying to escape, or quite frankly, they have nothing else to say. Number three, there's no physical limits. What does that give us? AIDS, STDs, I mean, divorces. Rape? Heartache? It hasn't been a good thing. Look, especially if think, especially if you're here and you're a lady, would you rather live in that nineteen fifties safe culture of leave it to beaver where you know women were just treated like treasures that they're supposed to be treated? Or would you rather be treated like a Kardashian? I mean I would I treat my wife like Mrs. Cleaver. I don't treat her like Kim Kardashian. But the result of all this is poverty, violence, confusion. This is the Western culture that we're living in today. Listen, God has authority over your body. Let me go back to the authorized version. Let me go back to First Corinthians 6. Just, just to remind you, I'm going to quote some of this. Verse 14. God hath not raised up the Lord. God hath both raised up the Lord... And will also raise up us by his own power. That's a reference to the resurrection. That's a resu- reference to Easter. That's a reference to what we will celebrate in the month. Know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ. In verse 19. What? Know ye not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you. Which you have of God. And ye are not your own. God also has a purpose for the body. Look back at verse 13 again. Now. The body is not for fornication, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. In verse 18, every teenager needs to hear this. Every man needs to hear this. And quite frankly, some of you ladies need to hear this. What do I do when I'm tempted? Verse 18, flee. Flee fornication. Jesus was always good at asking questions. So I just want to give you a couple of questions each time as I end this. And so here's a question I have for every believer. Every believer. How is my body glorifying God? my body broke. Now, if your first reaction to your body is, who is God to tell me what to do? <laughs> with all kindness and love, you may not be saved. Seriously, with just kindness and love, you may need to get your relationship with God right because God can tell you what to do because once you accept Christ as your personal Savior, He owns you. Amen. How you use your body... Describes your relationship between you and God. Next question for all people: whether you're saved or not saved. These are just these are great questions to write down. This is a great question to ask your daughter. It's a great question to ask your grandson and everybody. I don't you know wants to do with their own thing and live in this pain line. Here's a great question: How does using my body my way improve my life? How is treating yourself and degrading yourself, improving your life, how is that going? How has that made your life better by living this pagan lifestyle? Or has it created problems? How has being promiscuous made your life better? Can I just say this? I've been at a lot of uh, moments where people leave this planet. I've never yet had anybody look at me and say, Hester, I just wish I had cheated on my wife. I've never yet had a lady look at me and just say, you know, I wish I had slept around more when I was young. I've never had anybody do that. But you know what? I've had a lot of heartache and a lot of heartbreak at their final moments because there's people who won't talk to them because there's divorce, there's issues, everything. You know why? Because instead of using their body God's way, they chose to use it their way, and it created problems and difficulty in their lives. Now, intoxicants, here's a question to ask people. How has getting high helped you? Great question. You got a grandson who's smoking weed and everything, and you're like, "Yeah, oh, I really wish he would stop. And you've been lecturing him and you've been yelling at him and everything else, never one, to quit him money. If you have somebody who's doing drugs, never give them money, okay?
1: But last question,
0: how has getting high helped you? Or has it created more problems? Or in the case of marijuana, has it just kept you from doing anything, right? I mean, the biggest, listen, the number one reason people shouldn't smoke weed is because it just basically keeps you from doing anything. You find somebody who's big into weed, it's not that they've they never gone to prison, they haven't done killed anybody or anything. What they've done is nothing. They just sit around and do nothing. So there's a great question for anybody getting high, anybody who's promiscuous, how has this helped your life, or has it created problems for you? Second hard truth. Your spirit can be corrupted. Your spirit can be corrupted. Look at verse 15. Then shall I then take the members of Christ and make them the members of a harlot? God forbid. I just, my opinion, it's not Bible, so take it, for, take it or leave it. I believe they're spiritual STDs. And I believe that's a, a reference that Paul is making here. You know, when you accepted Christ, your spirit became alive. You have a body, you have a soul that lives forever, and you have a spirit that connects you between you and God. It is like a spiritual highway. And when you have joined yourself, when you have done things with your body, your body affects your spirit. It affects everything. Your soul will affect your body. Your soul affects your spirit. Your spirit affects your They all intertwine together. And when you get one of them wrong, it's like a cylinder in a car misfiring. If you've treated your body poorly and not done what God has done, you've allowed your spirit to become Corrupted. And your relationship with God is wrong. And when this relationship is wrong, all of these relationships are wrong. You see, the problem you're having with your wife and in your current marriage is because you did whatever you wanted with your body, it corrupted your spirit, and it corrupted the relationship you have with God. And when this relationship can't be right, that's why you can't be right with your current wife. Mm. Amen? These are hard truths. So here's a question for (laughs) believers. What relationship is altering your connection with God? What relationship is altering your connection
1: with
0: God? Relationships are hard. Here's a joke to change the, lighten the mood a little bit. Gary was traveling down a quiet country road when he noticed a large group of people standing around outside a house. He stopped and asked a farmer why there was such a large crowd. The farmer replied, Well, Billy's mule kicked his mother-in-law and she died. Oh, I see, Gary. Well, you must all be here to, for the funeral. He really must have had a lot of friends. Nah, said the farmer. We all just want to borrow his mule. <laughs>
1: That's pretty good, Ron, wasn't it? Come on, Ron. Ron's laughing. Relationships are hard.
0: We make a mistake when we become unequally yoked, And what happens? Well, what happens is you're missing out on the curse that God had for you. And so many of our relationships are damaging our connection to God. Number three. The last thing, your soul is valuable. Look at verse 20. You're a bought with a price. Now, maybe that makes you feel like, oh, I, I'm a slave. Yeah, I'm a slave to Jesus. Paul said he was a bond slave. But you know what that makes me feel? God didn't just pay a nickel for you. <coughs> he didn't pay a million dollars. He didn't pay a trillion dollars. God paid Jesus for me. And if God will pay Jesus for me, I must be pretty valuable. him. Back in verse 20, therefore glorify God in your body. Look, he connects them together. And in your spirit, there's the three, which are God's. In a pagan culture, life is We used to bring guns to school in the 50s to show people our guns, and I remember shooting BB guns in elementary school on a field day. We pushed to euthanasia disabled people. Do you know that Iceland, Iceland is trying to abort all children with Down syndrome? And they have a pledge, they have a promise that they want to keep. They want to be Down syndrome and mentally deficient free within a generation. Life is cheap. So here's a question for all people, believers and unsaved people, everybody on this planet. Here's a great question for you What will create purpose or value to your life? What do you have that creates purpose or value? Has being promiscuous created your life, value to your life? See, I hear the opposite of people who get involved in those lifestyles. I hear people tell these stories about, you know, sitting in the shower in the water, just feeling like I can't get clean. Has getting high, has getting drunk created value to your life? See, I hear the opposite from people who feel so bad. And like I, I, I just feel like I'm such a less of a person because there's an addiction I can't get over. It just, just I just feel bad about myself because I'm addicted to this. Has these things raised you up, or is getting high, is getting in debt? You're good with promiscuity and getting high, because that's not you. Is getting in debt and buying things you can't afford, buying plastic with plastic, right? Has that that created purpose or value to your life? Or has that created problems? These are three great questions to ask your grandson. Great questions to ask your daughter. Great questions to ask somebody who's getting high. Great questions who doesn't want to give their body and their life to Jesus. Has this created purpose or value to your life? First week in the ministry, full time in the ministry. We're in San Angelo, Texas, and I'm the youth pastor there. And one of the grand the grandparents of our church came and said, "Would you talk to my granddaughter? Would you?" She's just getting out of the hospital. Last night, last about two weeks ago, excuse me, two nights ago, she tried to kill herself. She's 16 years old. Sandra and I went. And I expected to find some you know fringe level of society person. Multicolored hair, something, no, blonde hair, blue eyes, 16 years old, captain of a junior varsity cheerleading team, a, a honor student. Talking with her, finding out that she was somebody who who had never experienced Jesus. And I remember telling her for the first time and her hearing me explain how valuable she was to God. And that, not that I was just trying to get her not to try to take her life again, but that I was trying to show her how important she was to Jesus. You see, so many of our young people... Quite frankly, some of our senior citizens have bought into this pagan mentality, and at the end of that life, they have no value, they have no purpose, they feel bad about themselves, they feel horrible, they feel like nobody cares. There's not enough soap to wipe the dirt off. There's not enough high to erase the pain that they're going through. I had the opportunity, me and Sandra, in the Pizza Hut in San Angelo, Texas. The only good thing that's ever happened at a Pizza Hut in San Angelo, Texas. Had the opportunity to lead that little girl to Christ. Mm -hmm. See, what are the traits of a powerful church? Tonight I'm going to talk about powerful ministry. I want to close with this historical fact, this historical thing. There's a term called the confessing church. The confessing church. Now, you need to be be careful because not every group that uses that term confessing church is a good group right now. Bad groups have taken this, but this term called the confessing church, and specifically the confessing church that I'm talking about historically, is the church that came to being in the 1930s during the Nazis' reign in Germany. The Nazi government under Hitler came in and wanted these churches to start promoting their propaganda. In fact, they were kind of okay with Jesus because they didn't believe in Jesus anyways. You want to do that. But they wanted them to start promoting their, their hatred towards Jews, their hatred towards other groups. But they also wanted them to promote Nazism and socialism and promote all of these things. And you know what? Some of those churches went right along because they didn't want to go to the concentration camps either. They went right around. But there was a group of believers inside Nazi Germany that pushed back by men by the name of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, an amazing man of God. And they pushed back against the culture. They pushed back against the evil. And they were called the Confessing Church and in the midst of evil, in the midst of a government persecuting them, in the midst of the direct forces of Satan coming against them, they held together and they impacted their nation. Sound familiar? And what held them together were three things. They had three things that are called solosis. Three solos. This was the now the Reformation had five, but the three that they chose to unite around Lutheran, Baptist, Protestants. Anybody who was pushing back against the Nazis, there were three solos, and what solos means is slogans, three charges, and these are Latin words, okay, so here we go. Number one was solos Christos, solos Christos, that Jesus Christ alone is Lord and Savior, amen? Amen. That was pretty weak. That Jesus Christ alone is Lord and Savior, Amen? amen? Solos Christos. And number two was solos spiritual, solos spiritual. That the Holy Scripture alone is their rule. Amen? Amen. That the Word of God alone would be what they decided, what was right and wrong. And this would be what they've appointed people to. And number three, solos gratia. Solos gratia. And that we live by grace alone and are called to live a holy life. Amen? Oh, that part of grace, we like the grace, but when it came to part of living a holy life, it is a message, it is a truth that is falling on hard ears today because too many churches will not challenge you to live a holy, separated, God-fearing life today. But this group, Dietrich Bonhoeffer will die because of this. He will be hanged in a Nazi concentration camp. And many of these other men of God will die because of this. But they stood in the midst of evil. They stood against the forces of darkness. And they made these three things. Jesus alone saves us. The word of God is true. And we will lift it up. And we will constantly preach it. And grace alone will get you to heaven. And God has called you to live a holy and godly lifestyle. Too many churches today are telling everybody, it doesn't matter if you believe in Jesus. It doesn't matter if you're Muslim. Everybody goes to heaven. That is a lie from the pit of hell. Too many churches today are taking passages of scripture out. We don't want to mention this because it might offend you. It might hurt your feelings. And let's not talk about this. Listen, this is what tells me about Jesus. Too many churches are trying to avoid the hard issues. Because times have changed, Pastor. Yeah, times have changed. And that's why in love and consistently. It's consistency. We need to speak. Our truths to this generation. Amen. 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 Solios Christos. Solios Christos. Solios Christos. Every head bowed. Today for our invitation.